Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Donut Racing Show. Welcome back where we bring a Tinder mindset to the sliding into the DMs because you saw them on Raya Obsessed Podium of Formula One Racing. My name is Nolan Sykes. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, my favorite auto journalists. Recorded live from Texas, we got Elizabeth Blackstock. Hello. And from not Texas, where am I at, Nolan? Well, Alanis is in San Diego, California. Hi, I'm here. You know, I think the intro was really interesting because we talked about Raya. Uh And one time one of my coworkers sent me a photo of the phone of Lewis Hamilton's Raya profile. And do you know what his job listing is on his Raya profile? I'm going to let y'all guess. It's very stereotypical Lewis Hamilton. It's not his real job, Uh but it's something that Lewis Hamilton would put as his job, but that is obviously fake because so few people do this job. I guess like life coach. No, but that's a good guess though, Nolan. That's I was going to really- say like like lifestyle influencer. Ah, uh, you know y'all are thinking too practical. It's something he does not do and has no experience in. I was going to say Earth child. Like <laughs> he's just a child of the earth. <laughs> You're getting close, Elizabeth. A uh, hiker, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know astronaut what oh come on lewis it's a little cornball but you know he's so handsome it probably doesn't even matter uh what it says but you know who we won't see this weekend lewis 
because there is no race. And that's what we're talking about today. We didn't see anybody. It was supposed to happen. I lost track of time because it didn't happen. We didn't see them. Everything's been thrown off. The cancellation of Imla has thrown the donut racing show into chaos. We had to scramble. We threw an audible. We called an audible. We don't throw audibles. We call audibles. I know about football. I played in high school for three years. I know stuff. <laughs> Alanis, what are we doing today? Today, we're going to do the stereotypical thing, and we're going to talk about other races that have been canceled. Right, Elizabeth? That's correct. Went through my my stat books, found some some races that have been canceled, and we're gonna we're sorting it out. I think we've got a good good story going on with this. We're gonna talk a little bit about what happened at Imola, uh, and then we're gonna get into more cancellations. Then we got another race coming up. Yes, we do. We're thrown off a little bit, dear listener, because one, uh, the race didn't happen. Already covered that, mm-hmm. but two. We're actually recording at a reasonable time. Usually, it's at <laughs> 8 or 9 in the morning, right after I get out of bed. Uh, the ladies, of course, they're over in Texas. They get a two-hour head start on me. But now it's it's 6 p.m. in the evening on a Monday. I'm warmed up now. You know, I had socialization all day. You're going to learn some stuff, dear listener. You're going to learn about races and why they get canceled. And it's going to be great. All right. Let's get into it, huh? <laughs> So on Wednesday, May 17th, Formula One made a pretty tough call. They decided to cancel the 2023 Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. They canceled it just two days before the track would have opened to the fans, and that was due to deadly flooding sweeping northern Italy. To put it pretty simply, northern Italy has been in a bad drought lately, and when multiple days of apocalyptic rain started sweeping through the region, It resulted in some really bad flooding and mudslides, evacuations, and a few deaths. Reports are that some regions got half of their annual rainfall average in less than a week. It's pretty bad over there. Mm -hmm. You know, mudslides, when when an area's been uh, super dry for a long time, we've had this happen in California a few times, you know, when the soil gets super dry, but then gets inundated with all that water, it kind of just... Uh, sliding yeah soil just immediately almost turns to liquid and then you get a lot of uh mudslides uh hillsides falling off it's uh pretty pretty devastating anyway if you've been on social media you've probably seen some folks mention that the paddock at imla itself had cleared up by the official start of the race weekend but with so many locals suffering devastation and with so many forms of transportation made impossible due to the uh, mudslides and flooding It would have been pretty irresponsible to continue on with the race. Instead, F1 itself and multiple teams have donated millions of euros to help the region recover. So good on them. Uh, Honestly, I was kind of surprised that they did this in the first place. You know, last year at the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, there are literal missile attacks near the racetrack. And they still went on with it despite driver protests and, and what have you. So... I, I think that's a little bit of growth. I think they've F1 has learned that maybe, hey, it's not a good look for us to be doing this while people are literally losing their lives. There was a situation in 2021 with the Belgian Grand Prix where they had like two laps, oh, yeah. I guess, of racing that they called Oof. it. And it wasn't it wasn't any laps of racing. It was safety car and that was it. There was so much, I think, backlash about that that they Like, you kind of have to do it different again the next time. I think an interesting factor at play here was that when you have a race, you need emergency services. And when you need emergency services, you're taking emergency services away from other 
people. Mm -hmm. So that was a factor. But what is really interesting about this cancellation is we have seen the political uproar, the protests and everything like that. Typically, F1 just ignores those. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting to see with natural disasters. We kind of can't ignore that because it affects all Mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. And it literally closed down roads. I think Nick DeVries posted on Instagram his drive back from the track uh, and the roads that he was driving on were just a hot mess. You couldn't really do anything about that. Fans could still get to Saudi Arabia. Fans could still get to Spa when that was rained out. You physically like couldn't get to the racetrack and you couldn't, you know, commandeer the services. You couldn't do any of that kind of stuff. And you risk a lot when you hold races in adverse weather conditions, even if it's not flooding. So it can just be simply storming and mm-hmm. you can have a lightning delay And maybe some people heed the warning to get out of the grandstands. Maybe some people don't. But this can be a real issue. So I remember it was probably like a decade ago. There was a NASCAR race at Pocono where someone got hit by lightning. Ooh, I didn't even know about that. They got hit by lightning and there were deaths. And you don't want to have deaths at your sporting event that is not required. Mm -hmm. You really want to avoid that, and you don't want to put people in a position where they're having to quickly evacuate because there's lightning or flooding or whatever, and they don't get out fast enough. Mm-hmm. That is horrific, and people will talk about it for the rest of time because it's so tragic. People get hurt, and people die, and you don't want to risk that just to hold a sporting mm-hmm. event. Exactly. And when you think back to last year, we had a lot of criticisms about hosting the Japanese Grand Prix. Uh, while it was raining because in 2014, Joel Bianchi had an an accident that ultimately took his life um, in similar mm-hmm. conditions. Like you just don't, there's no sense, I think, in doing that. Um, we have enough races. We have another race in Italy. It's not like these fans, are, I think, are, I don't think anyone was like itching to go to the racetrack in deadly conditions. Uh, so no. I think they made the right call. They refunded everyone as well. So all the fans got their money back. Oh, good. Um, Yeah, which is nice. But you're also put in a really tough position when you spend hundreds of dollars or whatever you spend on tickets. And you're like, well, do I go out in the Mm -hmm. in the storms? What do I do? It's good that they canceled it. And right now, the fate of the race is not super clear. People have asked if Emma will be rescheduled to a later date. But this schedule is really packed. We're running mid 20s. In races, we're running 23, 24 races a year, and it would be super hard to fit a race back in on another weekend. So it'll be interesting to see if we have that. We have had a lot of cancellations in the recent past, and we want to kind of talk about why this is a little bit different, this Imola cancellation. So if you watched F1 during the 2020 season, then there's a pretty good chance you know all about recent race cancellations And those all stemmed from the COVID-19 pandemic. The first race of the season in Australia was canceled literally just before it was about to start, and racing didn't pick back up again until July. So that year, 13 of the scheduled 22 races were canceled, but F1 was able to take advantage of some back-to-back weekends at the same track, uh, and it also brought back some other venues uh, to stage ultimately 17 world championship events. And that was also why we got Imola back in the first place. Uh, The track hadn't been used for F1 since 2006, but Italy was willing to host races at three different tracks uh, so that the season could actually kind of like progress and you didn't have to do multiple races at the same place. 
I don't really remember the timeline of uh, early 2020, but, Same. you know, like <laughs> it was like the NBA canceled their uh, that game uh, in March. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, w- when I was starting to think, huh, OK, this might be a little more serious than I thought. And then F1 did the same thing. I think right afterwards, and then then it was like, oh, we're screwed. Oh, we're going to have to be inside for two weeks? Oh, that's going to suck. Oh, no. Oh, this is going to be awful. A month of that? Oh, I can't even imagine. That's <laughs> oh, gonna... we're going to have to be inside for the summer? Well, we can't... What are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. My, so my parents were kind of, they're kind of disaster preppers. So when they got like the first wind of COVID over like in the other side of the world, my mom texted me and she was like, stock up on food, have your supplies ready, get your toilet paper now. Make sure you get so four my- packages of toilet paper. Get all exactly. the toilet paper so- in the store. January of that year, I had like stocked up on stuff. Uh, but when the pandemic ended up happening, I was living in Philadelphia in an apartment complex. So I just went back to Texas because they were talking about closing the whole complex and I didn't want to get stuck in my apartment. Oh, no. oh man. Yeah. I would say the luckiest purchase I made before the pandemic happened was I decided to buy a value pack of hand sanitizer and it was almost Yo. a gallon of hand sanitizer. Wow. And then a month later, no hand sanitizer. And I have a jug of hand sanitizer that is bigger than my head. It is oh still God. half full. Yeah. I was going to say, you could have gone out on your front lawn and like had like a lemonade stand, but just depositing little cups of hand sanitizer. Do you remember the news story about the person <laughs> mm-hmm. who resold hand sanitizer? That could have been was, me. It was crazy in LA because I went grocery shopping like two weeks after the quarantine had started because I was absolutely out of food. I mean, look. I was living on my own. I was a dude. I could, I could, I could survive. I was, <laughs> I ate pancakes like every day. <laughs> Honestly, Nolan, I would have done the same and thing. Then I, had, I subsisted off of like rice and tomato soup, mixing those together for a while. Look, <laughs> I was, I was in the trenches a little bit. I was going, but anyway, I go, I go to Vaughn's and no, there was nothing on the shelves. Everybody had the same experience, but you know, I was wearing BMX gloves because, you know, we still had like we thought gloves were like a, an important yeah. factor. So I, those are the only gloves I had were my like Fox BMX gloves. I'm going in there and like all that was left was just like pea soup, like and not even like Campbell's or anything like off, off, off brand bottom shelf pea soup. So I grabbed like four of the I still have them uh, in my cupboard. All that to say, I'm glad we're 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 past that now. Because that was rough. <laughs> I am not that past the rough. mental image of Nolan in the grocery store in his <laughs> BMX gloves. I had my B- I had a I had a jacket on, even though it was like April and it's starting to get a little warm. A jacket, BMX gloves. I think I was wearing like a bandana or something like that. That was the time where you could look like you were an actual wasteland dweller, and it was fine. It was cool. We're going to talk about some of the reasons why races were historically canceled, but we're going to talk about themes first, right? One big theme that has emerged in recent years didn't quite come into play in the past. Politics. F1 hasn't ever been the most savory when it comes to its relationships with foreign entities and people and everything, but the push to race in more politically contentious countries has been a pretty recent one. Like, we take Russia... 
2022 comes around, we're in preseason testing and Russia invades Ukraine. And F1 is like, oh, <laughs> we're going to race there soon. We got to figure that out. Yeah, that didn't end up happening. And F1 said, we're not going back ever again, because it looked good to say that at the time. Of course, F1 will probably go back at some point and they will go. It's different now, like they always do. But they made their big statements at the time and did their thing. And that's where we're at currently. That's true. But Russia's invasion of the Crimean Peninsula in 2014, that was not enough to cancel that race. They went ahead and did it. We saw something similar happened back in 2011. That year, F1 was set to open its season in Bahrain, but the Arab Spring uprising ultimately led to the race's postponement until October. Uh, the FIA later voted to reinstate the race, but that decision was subjected to a ton of criticism, both from human rights organizations and from people within the paddock who weren't exactly convinced that everything had gone back to normal for the citizens of Bahrain. Ultimately, the FIA conceded defeat, and it canceled the race for good uh, until... Until the next into, year. Yeah. <laughs> until yeah. not very long after. Yeah. <laughs> you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So for us today, it's kind of a big deal to have races get canceled. But back in the olden days, it was pretty common. So I have this big book called Formula One, The Knowledge. Uh, and so there's a whole section on race cancellations. No, this thing is like the stats are just I'd like I flip through it sometimes and just look at it when, when I want something to do, which is, I think, 
the nerdiest thing about me, because uh, it literally is just stats. Um, I was surprised by how many cancellations were listed, but it does make sense. Uh, so in the first few decades of the sport, F1 was still learning how to operate, and it was figuring out what it wanted to be. So there was usually at least one canceled race per season, and some of those happened before the season started. Some of them happened when it became clear mid-season that a venue couldn't host a race. You know, it happened for and it happened for all sorts of reasons. So like back in the day in the 50s, 60s and 70s, it was pretty clear, like the schedule you got at the beginning was probably not going to be the schedule you ended up competing in. We, had, we saw something similar with Formula E, actually, uh, when that started and it got a lot of criticism. But I would I would recommend everyone go back and look at F1 history, just so you know. <laughs> The 50s and 60s were such a time where you kind of just do whatever you want because there aren't a bunch of people on Twitter getting mad at you about it. Like, mm -hmm. you could kind of just go, oh, yeah, we're not going to race there anymore. Oh, we're going to race here now. Or, oh, we're going to do the Indy 500. You can do whatever you wanted. Yeah, but just send it. And I really appreciate the name of that book, Formula One, The Knowledge. It's good stuff. I wrote the story about Francois Sever uh, on Jalopnik a long time ago because he's one of my favorite drivers. And this kind gentleman reached out and was like, my father passed away and he was a big F1 fan. And I don't really mind. Like, I don't really care. Do you want his book collection? And I was like, sir, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. So this was one of them. But when I pulled it out of the box, I about cried laughing because I was like, I have it. I finally have it. I have the knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the internet is a, a really good place. You don't just have to fight with airlines on the internet. You can be nice to people. So some of the most common issues with canceling Formula One races have been financial. It costs a lot of money to convince F1 to race in your country. And if you can't pay up, you don't get to host a race. We talked about this a couple of months ago when we discussed how Austin for a long time had a little asterisk by it when they announced the Formula One schedule. But there were some other issues. So as Formula One cars rapidly advanced, you started to see more races get canceled because of safety. In the old days of F1, you know, you could have some hay bales, get some ropes and a chain link fence. <laughs> and it was fine. You know, we were protected between the fans and the drivers. It wasn't really fine, but it was mostly good enough until the cars got lighter and faster and more aerodynamically sound, and they started shooting around those racetracks really, really fast. Oh, yeah. Spa Francorchamps, or Spa, uh, was a big point of contention in the late 60s and early 1970s. The 8.7-mile track was run on public roads that twisted through the Belgian countryside and was one of the quickest and most challenging tracks on the F1 calendar which also made it one of the most fatal. In the 1960s, 10 drivers had been killed while racing at Spa, which led to the drivers boycotting the circuit over poor safety standards. The track's owners were reluctant to add things like protective Armco barriers or to make any substantial changes to the circuit. So F1 canceled another race in 1971, and it didn't come back to the track until 1985, when the race was postponed again because the newly laid asphalt had started breaking up. Oof. That is an issue we still see today in some tracks. The track surface gets old enough to where you're running around on it and the asphalt yanks up and hits cars and then you have to fill it with sealant. Or it's new enough that it hasn't had time to set and so then yes. when the cars go on it. it oh, race cars, dude. What a concept. 
honestly, I love the like weirdness of racetracks. It's really fun to talk to people about how MotoGP and Formula One are always at odds because mm-hmm. when they race at the same tracks, MotoGP gets really mad because the downforce of the F1 cars actually ends up rippling the track. Oh, wow. And then the MotoGP riders are like, uh, and then they're like, repave the track. And then the Formula One drivers are like, oh, they repaved it. It's a whole thing. It's a very expensive back and forth. Mm-hmm. There were also quite a few races that straight up got canceled because no one was interested, Whoa. which re- reminds me of Austin in the 2010s. Uh, in 1959, Juan Manuel Fangio's retirement from F1 meant the series didn't really see a point in hosting a race in his native country. The Argentinian fans weren't interested enough to turn out without their hero present. kind of like that uh, dating app for crypto people, but no, not enough women <laughs> signed up, so they had to shut it down. <laughs> so something similar happened with the lack of interest in 1971 and 79, albeit with more tragic undertones. So in 1971, Mexican racing star Pedro Rodriguez was killed in a sports car race at the Nürburgring, He and his younger brother, Ricardo, had both been national stars for Mexico, but Ricardo had been killed in a racing accident a decade earlier, and by the time the 1971 Mexican Grand Prix rolled around, fans just had enough, uh, and they didn't want to turn up to that race, not without their heroes there. Uh, And then in 1979, the Swedish Grand Prix was canceled because both of F1's Swedish drivers at the time, Ronnie Peterson and Gunnar Nilsson, had died the previous year. So Peterson was killed by a fat embolism after sustaining leg injuries in a nasty crush at Monza. What? Mm. They thought he was fine. They got him out. It was like, he's just got broken legs uh, and he'll be, you know, he's probably never going to race again, but he'll live. And then he died. Wow. Yeah. So Gunnar Nilsson had actually retired earlier. Uh, He... He was diagnosed with terminal testicular cancer in 1977, and he died ultimately a month after attending Peterson's funeral. Oh, my God. Ultimately, like, fans were heartbroken. The race couldn't find sponsorship, so F1 nixed the race from the calendar, and we haven't had a Swedish Grand Prix since. Wow. That would be interesting, though. I think the deaths aspect is something that a lot of us just don't experience anymore. We have racing deaths. We have had racing Mm -hmm. deaths in the past decade. But typically when you go to a race, you go knowing that probably people are not going to die. Right. Safety has evolved. You don't assume someone's going to die. And I'm trying to imagine if I went to a race of any kind and I witnessed a crash where someone died, how I would feel watching races ever again, really, like it would be really difficult. I went to the 2015 Pocono race where Justin Wilson was killed. And that was my first IndyCar race. It was my first race that I went to because uh, I was heartbroken that Jules Bianchi had died and he had like succumbed from his injury. So I was like, let's just do a fun weekend. It was not a fun weekend at the end. And then like two years later, two, three years later, I watched Wickens get in his accent, Robert Wickens, and was paralyzed at the same track. And like it did make me kind of step back and reevaluate. Like, what is my relationship to this sport? Am Mm -hmm. I okay with this? Uh, Is this something I'm comfortable with? Um, And it ultimately did come down to like changes were made in the aftermath of those accidents that made me feel comfortable enough to continue. But like I couldn't imagine doing that all the time like to go through an f1 season and know one of those drivers is not going to be there the next year uh it was brutal at that point and 
I just couldn't do it. I was going to say, when I was a kid, we went to Santa Maria Speedway, which was a, it's a, I think third mile dirt track, third or fifth mile dirt track in San Luis Obispo County. And uh, one of the sprint cars like rolled, you know, classic sprint car accident, Mm. you know, wheel goes up over another car, rolls, flips into the fence, but then caught on fire. um, And the driver was in there for a long time. I think he ended up surviving, but yeah, we didn't go to the, to the dirt track for a long time. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Sprint cars are, they're really freaky because everyone there accepts the level of risk that comes with they're, sprint car racing. Yeah, they're nasty. But it's, it's very, very high. I think that's part of the appeal almost uh, for a lot of people because they're, they're just such unbridled racing machines. Like the, they've got the biggest freaking motors, they haul ass, and, you know, the drivers are just at the, at the edge, you know, and things, yeah, when things go wrong, it's pretty spectacular in terms of the the flipping and everything like that. And mm. I think that's, for some people, a part of the appeal. It's where I feel closest to danger, and that's just kind of like my personal read on when I watch races. Because, you know, even knowing the history of Formula One or the history of IndyCar, you go to a Formula One race or an IndyCar race, and you're like, this is generally fine. You know, this doesn't really freak me out. I go to a sprint car race. It kind of freaks me out because you're going to see those things tumble. And even if the person in them doesn't get hurt, the tumbling is really freaky for such a small Mm -hmm. vehicle. Moving on a little bit. There were some race cancellations that were just plain old weird. Uh, In Mm -hmm. 1987, Canada lost its ability to host a race thanks to a battle between two beer sponsors, Molson and Labatt. The race promoter signed a sponsorship with Molson only for Labatt to claim that they had first ride refusal to become the title sponsor for the event. Uh, That race, which was supposed to take place in June of 1987, was canceled in May, and uh, nobody got to drink any beer that weekend. Can you imagine having... Too much sponsorship and bungling it so badly that you end up having the race canceled that you had too much sponsorship for. Two giant national beer brands and you end up with nothing. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Oh, come on. Eh? It already had Labatt on the hook. And then you went with Molson. Oh, <laughs> that's I apologize to all of our Canadian <laughs> listeners. <laughs> we could spend multiple episodes talking about all the reasons races have been canceled or postponed in the past, but we will leave you with one last big takeaway. Whereas races of the past used to be canceled mainly due to safety or financial issues or people just kind of being bored with them, the modern era has evolved to be about politics and ecology. So we got racing in contentious countries and mudslides. As the global climate continues to worsen and F1 continues to race in more politically contentious nations, there's a pretty good chance we will see more races canceled over unprecedented natural disasters or unstable politics. It's a real fun time. (laughs) We had the episode a few months ago about sports washing. We did. Uh, So that's what we're talking about, the politically contentious countries. I mean... The Baku Azerbaijan Grand Prix, I think during that race weekend, you know, they were, uh, they kind of got away with it. They had launched like a small attack on uh, Armenia. Uh, They've been, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. in conflict with Armenia, a very small nation. Um, And you don't really see a lot of noise about 
Azerbaijan during those race weekends. Hopefully, going forward, we can ho- raise some awareness about that. But you know, that's a country that desperately needs a, a positive image. So yeah, we're just gonna see- keep seeing the sports washing, keep seeing that climate change affect uh, this the season, and hopefully, we can uh, solve both problems. So I have two questions to end our Imola section of this episode. One, if Imola had happened, what would be our three big talking points for this episode? Oh, good what question. would we be discussing? I think we obviously discussed the Red Bull one, two. <laughs> I think I think Max takes it over Checo and we all go, oh, you know, here we're continuing the Red Bull fight in the championship and Max has inched yeah. ahead. I predict disaster for Ferrari because it's an Italian race. Yeah. So they would have absolutely done bad. It's got to be Carlos because uh, we've had too much Charles Leclerc lately. It's got to be Carlos. Mm. What happens to Carlos? Carlos starts from the pit lane, but all of the parts that they've just put on the car fail at the race. So he has to stop. Oh, no. But he doesn't even stop on the racetrack. He stopped. He was able to drive it back to the pits. and We don't even get a safety car. Damn. And then it just is boring because we didn't mm-hmm. get a safety car. But what fails? Do, does his power unit give up? What are we it's gonna talking about? It's going to be his about? power unit. They're going to replace the the entire power unit, all of the power unit components. No smoke. He's just like suddenly like slows. It's not dramatic. It's not interesting. It's just sad. Damn. Okay, Nolan, what is our third storyline? Uh, and you can't say Fernando Alonso. Uh, I was just going to say uh, maybe like a funny moment happens. Like Lando Norris is arriving to the track with his crew and he's like giving an autograph or taking a picture with someone. Of course, Fumbles doesn't has to ask how to use the fan's phone. And of then course, as yeah. he's walking away, someone else who's like taking a Snapchat of the whole inter- interaction, Lando trips over his own shoes. Damn, and then, Nolan. Uh, he has a tweet after, before the race where it's like, hopefully I've got my right shoes on. <laughs> and then uh, everyone loves him because he had a little goof. Oh, no, no, no. He goes on. A, he posts on his Lando.jpg account some racing Ooh. shoes. And he's like, oh, I found my With right the laces sh- found untied. My, found my right shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so my second question, I'm going to preface this with the fact that I don't know the answer, but I will hmm. subject myself to guessing. Okay. Who am I going to make guess for? I'll guess first. I'll I'll subject myself. What was the name of the race this weekend that was supposed to happen? (laughs) You know, I don't know that. (laughs) Okay. The Emilia Romagna Premio de Italia Made in Italy Grand Prix is what I'm going to say. That's pretty good. I'm I'm guessing the Grand Premio de Emilia Romagna. I don't know what at is in Italian, but it's it's the the Italian word for at and then it's Autodromo Enzo a Dino Ferrari. Oh damn it. Oh yeah. yeah That's really we have close. That. My guess is the uh 2023 Emilia Romagna beef it's what's for dinner 300 <laughs> brought to you by uh a better tomorrow and Enzo Ferrari and Dino Ferrari Imola Grand Prix with special <laughs> guest appearance by Martin Garrix. Damn, that was good. Okay. The Grand Premio del Made in Italy at Del Emilia Romagna. 
Pretty good. I don't think that is in any languages. Like, I don't think that's grammatically <laughs> correct in English. I don't think that's grammatically correct in Italian. Good guesses. Thank you, everyone, for participating in my games. We tried. We, we made an effort, and the F1 calendar is still trucking along for its annual visit to the French Riviera. Means it's time to lace up those tennies and get ready for our track walk for next week's Monaco Grand Prix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Monaco is an absolutely iconic circuit and a challenging course that drivers love. The 78-lap 2.07-mile circuit has been around since 1215. Because that's not PM. Nope. The year. The year. That's because that's when Monaco was established as a colony. The narrow streets are tough for overtaking and reward only the most precise drivers. It's been a race on the Formula One calendar since the first year of the championship in 1950 and has been a mainstay since 1955. Guys, what do you think of Monaco? Me personally, I I watch it. I watch it. <laughs> you watch it. I have I have a hot take. So this past weekend, we saw the all-star race for NASCAR, which is a non-points paying exhibition race. I think Formula One should take a card out of NASCAR's playbook, and Monaco should no longer be a points paying race. It should be an exhibition race. And everybody can wreck each other? Yeah, why not? It's slow enough. It'll be fine. We do heat races, like we can do reverse grids. We can put the freaking co-drivers in, the backup reserve driver. Like, I don't care. Let's do something fun with it. Like, keep it on the calendar. Keep it part of the the fun and the history of the sport. But also, yeah. this track sucks now because the cars <laughs> are too long. Yes, I was just about okay, to say, Elizabeth. for our new listeners, new fans of the sport, you probably might might not know why... Elizabeth is saying such things, and yes, that's it's the racing's not great. Um, I'm I'm adding an addendum to Elizabeth's idea, and the addendum is they have to do it in spec Miatas. Ooh, fine with me. Interesting. Done. The Monaco spec Miata Grand Prix Del Maiden (laughs) Monaco Premio Marina Yacht Race. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have a suggestion. Instead of watching the Formula One race live, what you're going to do is go to log- sleep in. <laughs> no, you're going to log on to YouTube and you're going to type in Formula E 2023 Monaco <laughs> E-Prix, which was a good race at Monaco because the cars are not 500 feet long and they also can hit each other and it's not a big deal. I think a big problem in Formula One is that the cars can't hit each other. <laughs> Honestly, like, if they could kiss a little more, like, I'd appreciate it. We gotta Just, make like, the cars kiss. The cars need People- to kiss, for sure. <laughs> People get so territorial when we talk about NASCAR. They're like, ah, oh, we're only talking about Formula One here. You know who can hit each other? NASCAR drivers. You know who never gets in trouble for hitting each other? NASCAR drivers. They will just go around and smack into each other. And listen, Monaco... We're fine. The circuit's close enough and tight enough. Just, like, get the wheels next to each other. Well, hopefully in 2026, when the rules change <laughs> once again, the cars are supposed to be smaller in these next sets of regulations in, uh, let's see, three years. So hopefully three <laughs> years from now, we're not saying the same thing. It's fun to watch. It's a cool spectacle. I have a question. Okay, Ooh. okay. When you watch IndyCar at Long Beach, is there is there a lot of passing at Long Beach? Because that's kind of like California's Monaco, <laughs> racing-wise. <laughs> that, that was actually how they marketed it when they first started the race. Chris Pook, when he started Mon- or at Long Beach, wanted it to be the Monaco of California, and they picked Long Beach in the 70s. But there actually is a decent, like, it's not a massive amount of overtaking, but there are passing opportunities, but American roads are also wider. Super wide. Yeah, it's, it's not as big of a problem. And also, indie cars can hit each other. And <laughs> it's, like, not as much of a big deal. So They can have a little contact as a treat. Yeah, as exactly. a treat. They can as have a, a little bit of contact. <laughs> this is Boyfriend of the Week, everybody. It's our recurring segment where we acknowledge who's the best for the week. Uh, it can be anybody. You know the drill. Driver. Car. Someone online. Middle school rules. It's only for the week only. Boyfriend of the week, hence the name of the segment. I'll lead off. Not a lot happened this week besides the cancellation. I think we're all sharing our boyfriend this week. Yuki Sonoda. Oh, that's a good one. The Alpha Tauri driver helping clean up the streets. Uh, you know, he's got his little broom. He's helping up with the cleanup from the floods. Mm. Good on you, Yuki Sonoda. That says a lot about a man right there. And that's a man I want to be my boyfriend for the week. So Yuki Sonoda. (laughs) This week, there was not a lot going on. I got to say, didn't have a boyfriend really sticking out to me. I didn't wasn't called to it. But I will say that I really, really appreciated this tweet. So um, Hendrick Motorsports, a NASCAR team, they just launched a partnership. Uh, Nolan's eyes got really big because I said NASCAR again. Mm-hmm. They launched a partnership with Chuck E. Cheese and they are making <sighs> Chuck E. Cheese merchandise um, for the race team. Huh. So you can get NASCAR Chuck E. Cheese merchandise. So I posted about it and then I responded with my own version of Chuck E. Cheese merchandise, which was a very bad Photoshop mock-up of a black t-shirt with a slice of cheese on it and Charlotte Claire's face on it because it's Ooh. Chuck E cheese yeah. and in Italian, nice Italian. The letter E is and so Chuck and cheese merch. Okay, so I posted Charlotte Claire on the cheese slice, and on Twitter we had a person, um, Bulky Jones, responds, 
If you make a shirt like this after a big shunt, you could do a special edition that's covered in debris, like brie cheese. And I was like, that was nice. pretty good. That's cute. Good wordplay. Good, good wordplay there. Gave, gave me a whole like marketing line. And so, you know, it was, we didn't have much going on this week. The cheese joke was, it was up there. It made me smile. That's a good one. I thought you were going to say Charles Entertainment Cheese was your boyfriend Charles. of the week. but uh, If only. Anyway, go ahead, Liz. I'm sorry. Go ahead. My boyfriend of the week is Twitter user at little C-H-I-V-V-I-S, the only person who turned up this weekend and cooked the Grand Prix gastronomy meal for Imola hey. with me. Even though it was canceled. Even though it was canceled, they still made their ragu. Also... Uh, I love this person because they also live in Texas, and we both raided the fresh Italian section at HEB. <laughs> Italian is food. another one of your words. Italian, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we were talking about Elizabeth's words uh, before the show, and one of them is vague, yeah, vague. instead of vague, and one of them is Italian. Anyway, Italian. keep going. Yeah, so <laughs> they raided the Italian section. I also raided the Italian section. Uh, and we made pasta, and it was a great time. And that was the only person who cooked. And so I love you because you made my seven-hour ragu worth it. <laughs> and we are so glad you listened to this episode. Thank you for listening to the Donut Racing Show. We will be back next week to talk about the Monaco Grand Prix and whatever surprising things will happen there. I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a banger of a race. I guarantee oh, it. Oh yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, make sure to subscribe and tell all your friends to tune into the Donut Racing Show. And if you want, which you should want, to leave us a five-star review and a kindly worded review, it really helps us out. That's right. If you're not familiar with Donut, we have a YouTube channel as well as an automotive history show called Past Gas. You can go listen to that right now. Uh, Alanis and Liz were on a recent episode, so go check that out. Follow DRS on Twitter at Donut Racing Show. And you can email us at DonutRacingShow at DonutMedia.com. Follow Alanis on Twitter and Instagram at AlanisNKing. Follow Liz at Eliz underscore Blackstock on Twitter or Eliza Blackstock on Instagram. And you can follow me at Nolan J. Sykes on both. Bye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.